approaches. Blow the whistle, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, they can't hold a flame against you, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, got the game, it ain't no issue, blowing the whistle, I had enough with you, the championship, it is gone, ain't listen to you, I can't give it to you, cause you don't know what I've been on, this is the coaches, podcast, ripping up everything, off that, What is going on, everybody? Welcome back into the Fantasy Coaches. I am your host, as always, Coach Steve. We have a very, very fun episode for you guys today, talking ADP, early ADP for the summer right now. So if you're doing your drafts over the summer before August, or maybe you're doing some best ball and that nature, we have some ADPs here for you that we like and we don't like. So before we get into that, let's introduce the coaching staff for today. Of course, we have Coach Jibs here. What is going on, brother? Salutations. I'm doing good, my man. Just uh, enjoying these hot, dogged summer days. Yes. Football very, almost here, though. Yes, that is true. Two more months until football season. So, And, of course, we have Coach Sean. What is going on, brother? Nothing much. Uh, speaking of holidays, I'm in Northwest Florida, so I feel you, Jibs. It was 92 with about a bazillion percent humidity. So I get it. I hear you. Disgusting. But it's, it's I'm like- here. It's Monday. We're talking football. So <laughs> I, I love it. I can't complain. Love that, love that. Yeah, it's like 75 here with all that humidity here too as well. So it's we've been feeling it. And, of course, we have our guest on today's show, a friend of mine in the industry. Steve, what is going on, my friend? How are you today? Good, man. Thanks for having me. It's great to be back. Uh, I think this might be my third or fourth appearance on this show. So, you know, I mean, I think that's probably one of the most appearances I've had on any one show. So this is great. It's excellent to be back. Hey, yeah, so we're glad to have you back. I see you in the background. You're watching football already back there. So, I got the highlights going. Highlights going. I love it. I, I, I love I'm it. ready. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm cranking the film in June, baby. Let's go. Love to hear that. I am in Miami. Not really, but I'm in Miami today, guys, at my Dolphin Stadium today. Uh, so I understand why John said it's really hot in Florida. So, But like I said, guys, we have a fun show today, guys. We're talking ADP, early ADP for the summer here. Some players that we like, some players we don't like. So uh, we're going to get right into it. Uh, we're going to talk about eight players, and we're all going to discuss whether or not we should trust that person who thinks they are values and not values. And we might have a battle at some point about a player later on today's show. So it's going to be fun. So let's get to it here. All right. And let me just get my PowerPoint slide going. So we're starting with the first one, our favorite QB. <laughs> I don't know if you guys can see this very well on my end here. You can't. Okay. Perfect. I can see it. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Um, so we're starting with our favorite quarterback ADP this summer. And Coach Sean, that is your player here. So tell yeah. us why Desmond Ritter should be – is your favorite QB value this point of the summer. So – First of all, great highlight, throw into the sticks, right down the pipe. I mean, gets the first down. I, that's, I love it. A g- true game management play. I love this. So this is the thing with Desmond Ritter. Oh, okay, that second one was hot. <laughs> so this is the thing about Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter, I think, is, um, and I'm glad he gets to go first, is because it's a lot of projection, and it's a lot of upside, and it's a lot of kind of what-ifs, and I completely understand that. But at some point, you have to make a decision on ADP, and say, okay, I know that there's risk. I know that there's no guarantee here. But at quarterback 31, it's like there's just a good a chance he could be a top 20 quarterback as a lot of other guys. I mean, he has Bijan Robinson, Kyle Pitts, Drake London. He has an offense around him. Now their offensive line, that's suspect. You know, they'll work on that. But 
the thing about Desmond Ritter as well that I think he's getting lowered down this quarterback list is because nobody the stink of the Falcons is just not there but the pieces are there to be a competent offense and he could put up fantasy points the Atlanta Falcons aren't going to be a great team but I mean we watched the Lions last year put up a ton of points with a terrible defense and just kind of go toe-to-toe with people I don't think I don't know Atlanta is going to do that but there's a chance the other part about Desmond Ritter that I think people are quick to sort of forget is he was averaging over 100 attempts on the ground in college. I mean, he can rush. I mean, he had he had carried 4.4 yards a carry with 29 touchdowns in his collegiate career. So, again, I'm not going to say he's going to light the world up on on fire with the, his his legs, but he can do it. I mean, he can move if he needs to. He can scramble and gain extra yardage, and we know how valuable that is for fantasy. Uh, he's not going to be Lamar Jackson. He's not going to be, you know – Kyler Murray or any of these other, but he could easily escape a pocket and get, you know, 15, 20 yards, you know, with his legs. If he has to, he could sneak one and run one into the end zone as well. So I just think there is a lot to not like about Atlanta and they're easy to dump on. There's trust me, there's very easy franchise to dump on, but on paper, there is more there to like than I think people are willing to admit. So last pick, you know, you missed out on all the sort of elite, elite QBs. In my opinion, I would rather just wait till the very end and, you know, double tap Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter, right? And take my versus in the ninth, 10th, 11th round, take a Daniel Jones. Like, it's just to me, I would much rather the risk and upside of a Desmond Ritter than some of these sort of Kirk Cousins-esque quarterbacks that are like, yeah, they're fine. They're good. They're not going to bust out on you, but they're probably, they're capped at like, quarterback 15 you know it's like so that to me is why I I like Desmond Ritter and I wanted to bring up his ADP I understand redraft it's kind of crazy to draft a guy that's going quarterback 31 overall when there's only 32 teams in the in the league um but I I just think that there is an there is a case for Desmond Ritter at the with the last pick of your draft if you don't already have one of these you know what I would consider the top 10 like elite guys there is a there's a world where Desmond Ritter could easily be a plug and play guy for this season. And are you trusting him and say, let's say Superflex? Because obviously a lot of people do play Superflex nowadays. Are you trusting him as a QB2 or is he more of a QB3 on that in terms of that value? Depending on how the rest of your roster looks, but I'd be okay with him as a as a quarterback too. I, again, you 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 know you gotta it's hard. Like Superflex redraft for sure. Like I'm okay quarterback two. You know, when you get into dynasty quarterbacks it's a little bit trickier i'd probably rather have him be my three but you could run the 2023 season with desmond ritter as your quarterback too in my opinion and i think you'll be fine i think there'll be obviously some bad weeks when atlanta just won't score but there'll be weeks where you know Bijan catches some screen for a 40 yard touchdown pitts catches a touchdown and he rushes one in maybe like who knows right like it could easily that could happen too so I'm expecting all these pieces, Pitts, London, Bijan, to all take steps and be, you know, good fantasy pieces. The engine of those fantasy pieces will be Desmond Ritter. So unless you think all three of those guys are just going to fall flat on their face, then Desmond Ritter at quarterback 31 makes sense. But I, I we're all projecting all three of those other guys to do really well. The person who's going to get them the ball, we're all projecting to be terrible. And it just doesn't make sense. Okay. Okay, I like your analysis on that. Um, Steve or Jibs, how do you guys feel about Desmond Ritter here? Do you agree with John's take in terms of early favorite ADP? I'll let the guests go first. Go ahead, Steve. 
I think it's fantastic just because, I mean, I, I haven't heard any pro Desmond Ritter takes this offseason. So, like, <laughs> it's good to have, you know, this sort of this sort of parody. Um, you know, I'm looking at the ADP. He's left for dead. Um, no one is really thinking about drafting Desmond Ritter. And I like the point at the end that you made, John. I mean, yeah, like, you know, for me, like, I love Drake London this year. Kyle Pitts, you know, should be. Um, returning value where he's going in drafts. Um, and, and so it just makes sense. Um, you know, it, I, I think he can give you uh, a, a couple big weeks, you know, just because he has those kind of players. We talk about Bijan, and he's going to dump it down. Bijan can take it to the house. And then all of a sudden, that's a great week for you if he just gets one more touchdown. Um, so th- there's going to be weeks like that where he's going to creep into that, you know, Q- QB1 conversation. I think that there there's definitely some validity there. Oh, and I do like I like any kind of pick that's like literally the last pick, like because it's all upside. Um, you look at some of these cured backs on the bottom of the list. You have like Mac Jones, Jimmy G, Sam House, these boy Trey Lance. Like, there's some room for him to go way up there. And we have like some struggling guys like Matt Stafford of the ages, and it, there's always up just room for him to grow. So um, I don't mind it. Like I don't really play uh, two quarterback leagues, but I do see the and um, the opportunity he has for the Falcons this year. Yeah, no. Yeah, I, I, you brought up a great name in, in Mac Jones. I mean, Mac Jones is probably going, what, quarterback 22? And it's like, I would much, or 23, right? I would much rather Desmond Ritter than Mac Jones. Like, it, mm-hmm. what's the upside with Mac Jones? Nothing. <laughs> right, right <laughs> exactly. At least nothing. I have a chance with Desmond. Right. And I think I think the only thing that keeps him down is because he was a later round pick. And obviously, you know, Tyler Heineke is there and we know what he's able to do for a team just on the the floor end there. But it's definitely a good value. I mean, we've seen players year in and year out with this kind of upside that go late in drafts. And, and, you know, guys like Lamar, guys like Pat Mahomes. And I'm not saying he's on that level, but, you know, he has that potential upside where you're getting him basically for cheap and for nothing that you should probably take. To back up, I like got Kirk Cousins, a Jared Goff, um, you know, guys like that who don't really have upside but are, are nice floor plays. And you get Ritter on the end, and he has an upside that you really do want. So definitely a pretty good overall first play here. All right, over to the next one, and that's the bad value at quarterback right now. And, that, of course, that was my pick here, guys. So I understand – Lamar Jackson is fantastic. Obviously, if you watch it on the screen here, if you're watching us live on YouTube, uh, you see so many fantastic plays from year in and year out. Uh, But my issue is that he's missed eight games the last two seasons now, four games each season. The last two years, he's thrown under 20 touchdowns, under 3,000 passing yards in the last three seasons. Now, yeah, he missed games. He probably would have maybe gone over that had he played in those four games. But in the same sense, I don't really see the upside of taking him where he's going at this point. You're getting him in the third round, and I think you're you're taking him at at, at his peak. Like I don't know where Lamar Jackson is going to come out with another 2019 season and run for 12, 1500 yards and throw for 3100 uh, passing yards and get three, 30 touchdowns again. I just don't see that happening both combinedly together. There hasn't been a quarterback after the age of 25 to produce another 1,000-yard season. Now he's capable, possibly, yeah. I mean, we saw Michael Vick do it. Uh, Michael Vick did do it, I'm sorry, at 26 years old. Uh, Cam Newton did 700 yards at 28. So it's, it is possible. But the likelihood with his offense changing from Greg Roman, I just don't see Lamar 
getting a thousand yards and also producing big in the passing game. I know they've given him weapons and whatnot. And granted, people will say, well, if you look at prior to getting injured, he was QB7, QB5, which was great and all. Fantastic, obviously. He's a fantastic quarterback. But you're getting him at the third round. You're getting him at value. You're hoping that Lamar Jackson finishes as a top five quarterback. You're drafting him there because of that reason here. And he hasn't done it the last two years through an entire season. And for me, that that's why I think it's just bad value at the moment. Now, if he falls around four, falls around five, depending on what kind of league you're in, it's going to be better value at that point. But in the third round still, it doesn't really bode well for me overall. And again, unless he has a massive spike in pass attempts to get that passing numbers up, it's going to come down to the run game. And we've seen him get hurt the last two years running the ball. So to me, that's kind of why I feel about Lamar. You know, you're drafting him at his peak, and and that's nothing else I can really feel great about uh, besides that. And you're hoping he doesn't get hurt. That's the issue. As long as he doesn't get hurt, you're getting good value. Not good value. You're getting the value you paid for. So that's mm-hmm. kind of how I feel. So I don't know how you guys feel about my uh, take on that. I I mean, I genuinely – I mean, I agree. Like, I, I I agree to your your point that you're drafting him at his – peak you're drafting him at quarterback five he you hope he returns quarterback five with the mind with the small chance that he could break into that top three right like that's what you're you're doing but you're assuming so much risk of like you said injury things not going well maybe bateman can't stay healthy maybe obj can't get on the field and he's throwing the mac hollins again it's like all this you know crazy stuff that easily could happen so I understand because people will look at weeks where he puts up 45 points and go, well, that week I win that week. I'm like, yeah, I get it. But also on the back of a lot of rushing and a lot of running, I don't know that the that the Falcons, I don't know that the Ravens want to do that. Now that they've locked him up, gave him a long-term contract, he's a big investment piece. The, the ownership and the GM and the coaching staff, they're not going to run him into the ground and, until he gets hurt because then they're totally screwed because then not only are they out of quarterback, but they're out of quarterback that makes up a majority of their, you know, salary cap money. So, you know, I, I think they're obviously not going to go away from his legs because he's important, but they're not going to like have as many designed runs as they had in the past for sure. I mean, it's, you don't want to injure this guy. He's more, you'd rather have two less rushing attempts a season or or a a week and have him for the whole season. So yeah, there's, there's room for, for, you know, Lamar Jackson. I mean, and again, you draft him in the third round. If he finishes as quarterback seven, it's a good season, but it feels bad because you drafted him so high. and, And that's kind of the point. So I think you're right. I think you're right. I think I love Lamar Jackson. I love the player. I, I think he's I'm so happy he got paid. But for fantasy, I Bad think value. we're all we're all we're all over we're all overemphasizing, you know, maybe a couple big, big, big weeks that he had in previous years. Um, I would just say like compared to like where you're getting them, right? Like I understand your the risk of injury and him not running as much but um i know like last year i drafted him a bunch around six or seven right around like pick 65 and that hurt me when he was out that many games mm-hmm. so i can't imagine him going up maybe two three rounds earlier and you have to kind of deal with that uh for me maybe i'll just kind of pitch my boat to another player in a similar adp and go after maybe a justin herbert around later or kind of shoot them or hold off and try to get like uh, Trevor Lawrence later on in the draft. Mm-hmm. So it's like cost opportunity approach. I do agree with your sentiments, but um, 
it's just kind of also a change of philosophy for a lot of fantasy managers nowadays. I do see quarterbacks kind of moving up the draft boards yeah. more often than not because, like, you look at, like, say Lamar Jackson's 38, you have TJ Hawkinson, Amari Cooper, Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones. Like, I want, like, a stud player who I know is going to be kind of close to getting me, what, 200 75 points that plus that a fantasy quarterback can do, or I could get some of these lesser pieces that are going to contribute to my uh, team, but you just don't know. So like, it's just all weird, but I agree with Steve. I'm going to go get other quarterbacks instead of hitch my boat to Lamar Jackson this year. Steve, how do you think? Yeah, I think that drafting Jackson in underdog um, right now, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, you don't have to worry about the games where he inevitably sits out or he needs to take a bathroom break, whatever the case may be. <laughs> um, but going back to Steve's point, you know, you can draft Justin Fields a little bit later, and this guy's only 24, and he just ran for 1,000 yards. So, more likely, who's the more likely to do that again? It, it would be Fields, actually. And then, yeah, the, the going down to uh, to Jib's point, Justin Herbert. Um, you know, you can get him a round or two later, round, round and a half later, and then Trevor Lawrence, and even Deshaun Watson, who offers a mm-hmm. lot of upside there at you know QB nine off the board. So yeah, again, you are drafting him at his peak. Can he finish as the QB one overall? I think most definitely. And I think he's going to explode week one at home against the Texans. I mean, that could probably be his best game of the season. And people are going to go nuts for Lamar Jackson. But, you know, I think there's there's some highs and lows uh, every season. But, you know, you got to like this roster going into the year on paper. It looks pretty good. Right. Definitely. All right. So let's get over to the next position here. We are moving over to running back. And we have some favorite eight early season running back in Dave Montgomery and Steve, this was your first player here. So tell us uh, why. Yeah, nothing um, too flashy about David Montgomery. Um, You know, it's not like you're overly excited to draft him, but you know where he's going uh, outside of that RB two range. I think he is like the quintessential RB two. So for me, the way I draft, I typically am making sure I lock up one running back. If, if I don't just, you know, go zero RB, I'm typically getting that one stud and then I can wait a little bit to get that RB two to plug in. Um, You can draft that RB two later than David Montgomery, but what Montgomery is going to do is I think it's more likely he finishes in that 15 to 18 range um, he's going to be in an offense that ran the ball 28 times per game last year. Um, and I see him being the primary ball ca- uh, carrier of the ball, especially early in the year um, when Jamar Gibbs is getting, you know, obviously his legs under him. I think he's going to be a stud. I, I think Jameer Gibbs is going to be amazing. Um, but Montgomery is going to offer that 200 to 220 carries Um, this team was second in red zone attempts per game, only behind Kansas city last year. We know what Jamal Williams did. Obviously everyone's looking at those 17 touchdowns. David Montgomery only really needs to give you eight touchdowns. Um, and he's fine. And that's actually what he did in 2020 when he was the RB six. Um, and I think you might see a similar season about 215 carries close to a thousand yards and about eight touchdowns. Um, and you know, with Jamal Williams last year, he had about 16 catches. I think that you get a little bit more targets with Montgomery. All of a sudden this offense is going to be pretty good. Jameson Williams comes back. 
Um, you know, you, you've added pieces of Monroe St. Bond after this year, he's going to be considered elite, uh, by the, the masses if he's not already. Um, so this offense, I think can still move the ball. They're still going to get red zone opportunities. And if they do, if they can give you that 3.8 ish red zone attempts per game, he's just going to pound it in. Um, and it's nice too, because, you know, if you have a running back like this compared to someone with a running quarterback, a team with a running quarterback, you know, once they get inside that five yard line that they're going to pound it in. And he's that guy to do that. So I'm projecting like, you know, an RB two season for David Montgomery, who's not being drafted in that range. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's a great pick there. And I, I, when I, when we were talking, I, I obviously, this was one of my picks originally and I, I was torn between him and someone else. So I, I'm glad you went with Dave Montgomery. Uh, boys, how do we feel about this Montgomery pick? You like it? I love it, man. I'm 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 all about David Montgomery this season. I, I think he's, again, you know, it, it's not a sexy pick, like you said. It's just not. And it's funny because if you look at ADP, he's right next to Javonta Williams. And again, the, you ask the average person, the sexy upside swing for the fence pick would be Javonta, but. Javante's coming off an injury, going to a, a team that we whose offense was historically bad last year. And, and we have no clue what's going to happen. Meanwhile, David Montgomery, steady Eddie, you know, getting thousand yards, eight touchdowns year in, year out, always kind of in that RB 16 to, you know, 10 range. It's like now he goes to the Lions, who last year was a, t- a team on fire that Jamal Williams pumped in 17 touchdowns. And Jamal Williams is a great, you know, he's a great story, good guy, but he's just a guy. I mean, David Montgomery is as good, if not better, than Javonta is than Jamal Williams. So I don't know why people don't want David Montgomery. It's like it's he's great. You can draft him as your RB two or even your RB three, and and he could easily fall into double digit touchdowns and have a thousand yards. And I wouldn't be shocked. So I love this pick. I, I think it's awesome. Uh, you know, I, I love the rookie hype around Jameer Gibbs, but he is still a young, smaller rookie. Like it's just, it is what it is. And so, you know, you're down on the goal line and you got to bury it. It's, you know, you're, you know, two, you're th- three and, you know, three yards out and you got to just bury a touchdown in, you're probably going to hand it to the veteran who's built for it. And so I love it. I love, I, I listen, I'm all in on bears pieces this year which is crazy to say I wanted to ask you guys real quick, like where would he be? I wonder where he would be if the Lions didn't pick Gibbs, you know, in the first round, obviously they went and got him so that you well, know think, that they've committed to him, but where would he be drafted if he was the guy alone? Oh, if it was just still Swift and Montgomery, I bet you'd see Montgomery go ahead of Swift. I bet it'd be close. It would be much closer in ADP, it would be but close. if it was just Montgomery, he would definitely be probably borderline that RB one situation for sure. He's not yeah. going RB 27. That's for sure. <laughs> no, uh, no, It's right. definitely very, very good value. So, yeah. <laughs> right. Let's get over to the next one here. And then we have the not so good <laughs> value here. And a guy we just mentioned, DeAndre Swift. Oh, wow, look at that. All right. This was coach Jibs player here. His second one of the day here. Tell us coach Jibs. Oh, first be nice. I just traded for him in dynasty. So be nice. Uh, I, I will be nice. He's on my uh, actual team. So I have to be nice, but he's going to be a polarizing player for uh, uh, fantasy managers in their draft seasons. Cause they know the name value. They know what 
explosion he could bring to a uh, team's offense. But um, for anyone who like plays video games out there, he's a glass canning, which is defined as a character or unit with strong offensive power, but weak defensive capabilities. And that in the fantasy uh, translation means he is good offensively. He's a phenomenal talent, but he gets hurt too often. He gets in his way. So, um, um, I, for him going to the Eagles, I hope the change of scenery will uh, kind of benefit him because, like, the Eagles historically just been a timeshare team. We have Penny. We have Gainwell still. And that's not really good for his fantasy value. So um, some of my concerns with his ADP is, like, uh, overall 64th player, you can see people like Cam Akers, Rashad White, James Conner, Alexander Madison. To me, those guys have more of a share on the backfield than – DeAndre Swift might have throughout the whole season. Um, and then during his three-year tenure with Detroit, Swift had a 12, 20, and 11% target share from um, 2020 to 2022. And then um, meanwhile, Jalen Hurts last year, he threw to Miles Sanders 5.8% of the time and Kenny Gainwell 5.3% of the time. That's super low. And um, I believe Swift had like 46 receptions as a season low for him in his three-year career and I don't think he he may have a shot to get to uh 46 receptions but last year Gainwell had 23 and Miles Sanders had 20 respectively so like I don't see him being that big of a fantasy piece if his PPR value or his reception value is kind of cut in half or it's just kind of lacking so like he has a lot of concerns with me injuries aside just the the fit doesn't seem right to me Good for the Eagles for NFL, but not for fantasy. All right, yeah. No, I definitely like this. I definitely think we've talked about the Andrews a few times on the show, and we think we've all, co- all come into agreements here. Uh, John, Steve, how do you guys feel about Swift? I mean, are you on board with Jibs here? I'm, I'm kind of lock stop with uh, Jibs. I, I think he's great. He's in a good offense. I just don't know injury and timeshare make me nervous. Um, so I, I get – why there would be hesitation, but um, yeah, there will be, I, I, I guarantee you there'll be some spike weeks. Um, so that's, you know, you got to be willing to accept that there'll be a week where DeAndre Swift gets in twice. There'll be a week where Jalen Hurts runs it in twice. It's just kind of the way that works when you have these very mobile running quarterbacks. And to your point about passing, um, I agree because Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson and, you know, all the, once they get in trouble, they don't look to dump it off to the running back. They look to just tuck it and run. So, yeah, Swift isn't going to see these like he had a bunch of those kind of Jared Goff sort of dump offs and screens. I just don't think he's going to see really any of those. It'll be a designed pass to the, you know, running back, but not like a um running out of options. Here comes the pressure. Let me just flip it to Swift. And it's just not going to happen in, in Philadelphia. Yeah, that's a good call there. That those that isn't going to happen. You're right. They will design plays for him. And, you know, I think I, I guess I lean more the other way. Uh, you know, I'm not like in a hurry to draft Swift, but if he falls, you know, the, the players around him, um, you know, I, I can see him outperforming this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like I like Rashad Penny a lot better if we're talking about value. Like I would rather have Penny and just wait for him. But, you know, I I can see a world, you know, an underdog a lot of times if I've got Jalen Hurts on my roster, let's say, sometimes a viable stack actually is swift, you know, and like you said, there might be that one boom week. 
where, you know, he can take one to the house because um, it's kind of hard to stack. If you go Jalen Hurts, you kind of really have to go back to back there and yeah. get Smith if you can, but sometimes that doesn't work out. So all of a sudden, who's left? Swift down there, you know, in the seventh, eighth round. I really don't hate the ADP so much. I think he can return value there, but, you know, I definitely see the hesitation with him. And, you know, if if the separation remains the same with him and Penny, I think Penny is the slam dunk because he's the one who's going to get the bulk of the carries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird because when you think of like RB is a 23, it's like, oh, that's not terrible for Swift. But then you look at where he's going in drafts and it's like, oh, like then to me, that's when I'm like, uh, fifth round capital on a guy who's been hurt every single year, it seems like. Right. It seems kind of strange on that. But again, there's this higher risk, higher reward with, with Swift. I mean, just, you have to like the ADP there because his name value will make him go there, but it, it might not, again, like kind of like I, Jim said there, it was just it's not the best value. All right. Uh, so we're going on to our next uh, group here. We're sw- skipping over the wide receivers. We'll come back to those later. And we're going to do our tight ends here next on the board. And early summer ADP favorite tight end. Steve, this was yours. <laughs> So tell us about some Cole Komet. Yeah, you know, I found myself drafting Cole Komet more um, when I'm doing these underdog drafts. Again, talking about stacks. If I have Justin Fields, kind of an easy, you know, uh, out of the box sort of stack is Cole Komet. And he's produced the last two years. Um, the In 2021, Justin Fields' rookie year, zero touchdowns. That was unfortunate because he had 93 targets. So we were going into last year like, okay, if, you know, Komet just put together five or six touchdowns, he would be more highly drafted. So he ended up actually the regression returned to the mean. He got seven touchdowns last year. Um, But what I like a lot, you know, he was eighth in deep ball targets. We're seeing one beautiful one here, probably the highlight of the season right here. He was eighth among tight ends in uh, in deep ball targets. So he's a big play guy. Um, he's always on the field and he's, his route percentage is third in the league. So his route participation. So when he's on the field, he's running routes. He's not a blocking tight end at all. He's just running routes. Um, you look at the makeup of the bears right now, DJ Moore coming in, Chase Claypool, a lot of bad uh, stuff out of camp right now, Chase Claypool. Um, and so who else is it really? Darnell Mooney is coming off of, of a pretty serious injury. Um, when I think about injury concerns going into this year, Javante Williams, who we brought up earlier, and then I think of Darnell Mooney, and who's left? You have DJ Moore on the outside. Sure, you could put him in the slot, and then you have your slot tight end. So what this looks like to me in the passing game and you know what you're hoping for with this Bears offense in general is the Eagles light from last year or Jalen Hurts light when we talk about the extension of, you know, okay, we're going to pass the ball a little bit more because if you were off on Jalen Hurts last year, you were like, okay, he can run, but they're not going to pass. Okay. Well, they passed and he also had a really good uh, touchdown percentage um, for your team. If Justin Fields can do something like that, where they up the volume just a little bit and then the touchdowns start coming about 20 to 25 touchdowns to go along with his around thousand yards rushing. um, I think that this, to me, looks like what you're trying to do with what the Chiefs did for years with one wide receiver, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, what the Ravens have done with Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown. Now they're bringing in probably Zay Flowers to be that one. And I think DJ Moore is that one. And the second in targets on this team is going to be Cole Komet. You're getting him to tight end 16. 
I really don't think that's bad. I think you're going to just wait, 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 wait on a tight end. If you drafted one earlier and you want to just get one late again, you can get him as your tight end too. Don't necessarily recommend that, but you could do that. Um, so I, I think it's really a non-lose situation with the players around him. Um, you're talking about Greg Dulcich. I think he has some upside, but again, you're talking about who's going to get those targets. He had 69 last year, going from 93 to 69. I feel like you meet in the middle of this year. Um, it's a lot of targets for a tight end in PPR leagues. I'm not sure what you would want uh, from a tight end 16 off the board. <laughs> Great analysis, Steve. Uh, uh, I definitely love that. Uh, before we talk about Cole Komet, we have to talk about uh, early summer ADP bad value, and it's Cole Komet. <laughs> that is me so yeah me and steve had a little conversation before uh about this lightly so so i i like Komet as a player i really do i, I know just i'll just will tell you i was high on him last year i do like him in dynasty in a general sense um but looking at the round 10 capital for him and that's the way i've been thinking a lot of these round 10 capital what players are available at that time that can help me get over the edge and if Cole Komet were to fall to around 12, 13, I'd say, oh, I'd love Cole Komet at that point. But with round 10, last year he finished uh, tight end seven, which was crazy. Because if you look at his actual numbers, just three tight end one uh, performances, just three tight end two performances, you know, that's the, the bar isn't set high for the tight end position here. Uh, but there's a lot of players that finished below that last year. I mean, you think of guys like Dallas Goddard finished below him. Uh, D- Darren Waller finished below him, below him. J- David and Joku, Jared Everett first season with the Chargers finished below him. Uh, you know, you have to throw in Dalton Kincaid and Sam Porter this year. So there's a lot more tight ends that some of them are going before. Some of them are definitely going after that I think can finish ahead of Cole Komet. I mean, the way I see it is that, uh, yes, he could end up finishing second on targets. That's a very possibility, but now you have DJ Moore in there. You have, I think Mooney should be able to still be able to bounce back to some extent. I know there's an injury concerns, and I get that. I know Chase Claypool is not doing great in camp, but they this this coaching staff spent draft capital to get Chase Claypool on the team, so they're going to give him opportunities to be successful. And now you have a three-headed com- committee on the ground in the run game that you're trying to establish the run, and then you have a mobile quarterback. This team was second second fewest pass attempts last year in the league. Uh, I didn't realize actually that the Packers were actually the lowest temp, uh, passing attempt team last year in the league. Pretty surprising. But uh, back to the Bears. I mean, I just I think Justin Fields improves, but does he improve where they're going to be top ten in passing t- attempts? I, I don't think so. Maybe you know top twenty five at that point. I, I just don't really see them taking a next level in this offense where they're going to go ahead and be dominant. The only times Cole Komet really actually helped us in fantasy is when he scored a touchdown. And again. Tight end position is a little funky, but if he's not offering me something else at different times throughout the season here in round 10, I'd rather wait on tight ends and go get a Sam Porter later on in the draft or wait for a Gerald Everett at that time and grab players like, I mean, at this point, there's more upside at, you know, wide receiver and a running back like Sky Moore, um, you know, Rondell Moore, Kendry Miller, um, uh, Roshan Johnson, uh, Tank Bigsley. I'd rather take a shot on one of these dart throw running back and wide receiver and expect maybe one of them to shoot up than Cole Komet finishing. If he's going at tight end 14, which is definitely not terrible, but tight end seven, is that where he's going to be? Tight end eight, tight end 10. So that's why I see it as bad value because I just feel like the capital you're getting him at, I, I just don't see the upside to go further than that. That's that's the way I see it. So 
uh, Coach John, Coach Dibs, uh, you know, whose side do you like? You know, you know, which side are you guys on? <laughs> don't don't, don't be me between mommy and idea. daddy, okay? This is this isn't divorce court. I don't need to pick. Okay, I'll, I'll give you my opinion on the situation. And You're going you decide. You agree with me. <laughs> um, so I'll be honest. Both both sides. You could make a case for both sides, right? The, the my biggest fear and why I'm kind of with you, Coach Steve, is is really the attempts per game. You know, last year, 21.2 attempts per game is what they pa- was the passing attempts that Justin Fields had. Even if that goes to 26 attempts a game, he would need his completion percentage to go up to like 70% where it was at 60 last year. So he would just need to take a big jump for there to even just be enough pie to go around for, for Cole Komet to even on the have an 800-yard, seven, eight-touchdown season on – paper you otherwise it just doesn't make sense it just doesn't add up so assuming all that assuming he does Justin Fields does take this big step forward they do pass the ball more um you know then he is going to compete with targets but I do genuinely think Cole Komet is probably the the second best passing pass catcher in that offense so there is a world where there's upside and and they do make this big leap in in passing and completion percentage and and all of a sudden you know Cole Komet is a steady you know, tight end six, seven, eight, like, you know, solid. Otherwise you're just going to get, he'll probably finish close to, you know, tight end seven or eight, and you'll have a couple big weeks and then a couple, a bunch of kind of bummer weeks. So I, I don't, I don't know. I think if you miss out, I'm more and more lately, especially this year, been trying to really go after like a, an elite, elite tight end. I, I just think it just draft strategy wise, it just makes more sense. Um, but if you do kind of punt the position and you want Cole Komet, yeah, I, I like him better than some of the other names we mentioned, but I just don't in round 10. Yeah. That's the thing. I don't, (laughs) that's the thing. Like, I just don't know. Like, I don't see a world where Cole Komet really breaks out into this, like every week you got to start him kind of guy. Like, I just feel like he's, he'll be, you know, he'll be good because he's a good pass catcher on an up and coming offense. But, you know, I just think that there's there's more there's there's you know other options at the tight end position it's just so much after tight end like six that like i like six to tight end 20 are like the same guy to me it's like they're all fine like they're all good they'll have weeks and they'll have down weeks and so you know what's the major difference between cole Komet and pat firemuth you know what's the major difference between cole Komet and you know some name a guy right like right yeah, so yeah, yeah. that's the that's the only thing that i kind of get hung up on um, in, in that, but in a vacuum, I mean, Cole Komet is, is, you know, to all, all of our, uh, co-host points or he is probably the second best pass catcher in that offense. He probably, if they do take a step forward, he will see an increased target share and, and, you know, seven, eight touchdowns is not out of the realm of possibility. So, you know, you can make your bet. If you want to make your bet with Cole Komet, that's fine. I, I wouldn't, you know, tight end 14 10th round capital is not going to submarine your draft but i just think there's other if i'm if i have chips and i'm putting them down somewhere i would just put them in other places than cole Komet. right no definitely and before i let you go jibs uh steve i know you have to go is there anything else you'd like to mention about our cole Komet battle here no i i think if you're drafting cole Komet, you're you can cut him the next week and pick up another guy and play that guy. You know, it's, this is once you go into the, this sort of uh, part of the draft, it's really, you're just streaming tight ends. So, but yeah, I, I really appreciate you guys having me on today. Uh, it's, it's been a pleasure.
Absolutely. Is there no, anything you want you. to mention before we let you go for sure, for sure now? Uh, no, I uh, appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, you know, uh, during season, uh, I write for guillotineleagues.com. Um, so I rank uh, top 15 defenses every week. Um, if you nice. uh, want to go over there, uh, I think it's helped a little bit with my process, writing these articles every week, um, just looking at who's going to be effective running, rushing the passer um, and how that's going to affect the quarterback attached to some of your fantasy options. So, um, again, thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Good to see you. We'll talk soon. All right. Take care. Take care. Yeah. All right, boys. Back to the three of us. Uh, Jibs, anything you'd like to mention on the Cole Komet uh, battle here we just had? You mentioned that you were really high on him, and I've been known to miss out on your takes. So I invested a lot in Cole Komet last year, and I'm not doing that again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I agree with all the points, though, especially the positive points. It's just like right now, currently in round, the end of round 10, basically. I don't know if I can do it. If it's like around 11, round 12, eh, late. I got you. But right. um, after Cole Komet, the names are just laughable, though. So he's basically your last hope. Give <laughs> <laughs> me Sam Laporta at the end of the draft. Yeah, I mean, it's at that point, if you're, if you're going that late, you might as well just grab, I don't even know. Uh, Ger- I, I, it's funny. I've been liking Gerald Everett super late a little bit more, too. But, yeah, it's, it's just disappointing. There's so year. many guys. that there's, That's the problem. There's so many after tight end five, tight end six. There's so right. many that are like – yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, he could get in the end zone, I guess. It's just like so many. Other when we talked about Cole Komet last year, he was like, "Oh, he could be the number one target option on this team." This year, I'm like, he could be the two, but he could also be the four. So it's mm-hmm. like, like yeah. last year, I was like, he's the one or two, no matter what next season, which he was the one or two this past season. Mm-hmm. This year, I don't know. I don't feel that same way with the new weapons on this team here. So. That's the only thing. So, but. regardless for me, I'll just probably take um, what was one, Andolshich or Jawan Johnson later yeah, on. Jawan Johnson's a good one. So, it's actually funny because he's 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 tight end fourteen, but like his ADP is higher than a few of the guys ahead of him. So, yeah, yeah, I was looking weird. at that. It it's so weird. So, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, let me get this back up here for the wide receiver talk now, and. We are into the wide receivers here. Uh, Bad value. I'm sorry. Not bad value. Get ahead of myself here. We're talking good (laughs) values. Good values at wide receivers. Start with the positives, baby. Let's get positive before we end with a negative. Uh, (laughs) This is you, Coach Jibs. Uh, Tell us why Traylon Burks is your uh, your favorite ADP wide receiver. Um, It's all hypotheticals, but I just – do like the fact that he's basically the end of the round uh, wide receiver three. So we're shooting for upside. We're always about upside on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And um, basically his, you could kind of say his season was a, a washer. It was a stymie due to the poor conditioning. Then he got injured in the beginning of the season. And obviously there was volume issues being on the tendency Titans run first offense, but year two, I'm expecting them to have a better handle of the playbook. Um, the offensive philosophy probably is not going to change, but he should be in line to operate as the team's number one receiver with Austin Hooper and um, Robert Woods leaving. They vacated 150 targets. I know they're not all going to Traylon Burks because he only had um, 54 targets last year, but I could probably bet a pretty penny that I'll go to him and Shiggy. So like optimistically, like I would say he could kind of double what he did last year. He only had 33 receptions on 54 targets. Maybe we'll bump it up to about 60 reception guy, and then he'd be a hundred target guy. Um, 
these that's just those two on the offense. I know Tannehill is definitely days are numbered, but like he still could be a 450 plus passing attempt guy on that offense. So I'm I'm kind of I wouldn't say I'm in love with Burks, but with the some of the players around here, him I could see him having some good upside as well. It was a pretty close tie between him and um Brandon Ayuk for me when I was writing this this morning. Though mm-hmm. I like it, I like and it. They're definitely. going in the same range too, so. Hey, I yeah. like it definitely. Uh, Coach John, you want to go first here? Uh, yeah. So anything? No, Traylon Burks is great. I, I think you know you're kind of getting him at his. I mean, unless unless an injury happens, you're kind of getting him at his floor at wide receiver 36. And then, you know, like Jib said, he's he is kind of the last man standing in that passing offense. So he, I mean, you could pencil him in for 100 plus targets. I mean, it's going to happen. And what he does with that is the question mark. You know, what does he do with that? I don't. I don't quite know because we didn't see much last year, but at at the sixth round, wide receiver 36, you're going to give me a guy who could potentially see 100-plus targets? It's like who it was athletically gifted and profiled to be a, a freak of nature. Yeah, I'll take the chance at that point. Um, you know, it's funny. This is the first player, and I'm glad we brought him up, where I think my dynasty outlook and my redraft outlook are totally different. Like, I don't really love Traylon Burks for dynasty, but I do like him for redraft. I really do. I, I think he could have a big season this season. The reason why I don't like him for redraft, and, and Jim's kind of alluded to it, is Tennessee Titans have their hand just hovering over that reset button. You know, they're just about <laughs> to – they're so close to trading away Tannehill, Derrick Henry, their defense. Every, they're, they're right on the edge of rebuild. And so at any point in time, you know, the GMs and ownership could say, all right, let's reset it. Let's wash everybody clean. And then you got Traylon Burks out there with – who knows throwing him the ball. Right. And so that's a different story. I think Tannehill's going to play this season out. I think he's good enough to get, you know, a hundred targets to Traylon Burks. And if Traylon Burks can get a hundred targets, there's no way he's going to be wide receiver 36. So I love it. That's a great pick. Yeah. Hopefully they could. Oh, sorry. Steve. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was say hopefully they could incorporate more things than the fly reps that he was doing like in the beginning of the year. Like I want to see more of the stuff he was doing on like that final game of the year where he exploded down the field. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we could be looking at like someone like a Michael Pittman situation where like we saw Pittman like kind of like have a really wonky first year. It wasn't that great, but then like he showed us a, that explosion like late in the playoffs at his rookie season. It's like ooh. Very interesting. Let's see if he can do that next year. And he did, obviously. Um, yeah, I like Burks. Again, round six capital. Again, I got to guess, I got to do some more research on my ADPs in a general sense. Cause like, I think in round six, I'm like, ah, like, Oof. I don't seven? care for it. Seven is definitely a better. Again, I think oh, it is it like a late, it's almost like a mid round six pick right now. Um, if I'm not mistaken, at the 72 moment, 72 would be six. Six. So it's end of round seven. six, you know, round seven. All right. Well, uh, okay. I guess I wasn't doing my math right. But <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's the wide receiver one for a team that doesn't have a lot of pass catching options. I mean, you know, you lose any veteran you had in Bob Woods, which was a mistake anyway to have him there. And then again, there's really no one else. I mean, you got to like Kyle Phillips. You like uh, Nick Westbrook Akeen. Um, again, they're just guys. I mean, Traylon Burks has that potential still. We haven't really seen it, and there's still a possibility he ends up performing really well. And, yeah, this is the floor. He could end up being a wide receiver 36, but there's a ceiling where he could creep in as a low-end wide receiver too if he gets the target share and explodes and takes that progression in his talent. So I, I, do, I do like the value over there in that, in that sense. Round six, I guess seven, whatever, still seems a little early. But 
Um, I still like it. Over. So to, to ease to ease your nerves a little about a six round capital with Traylon Burks, in theory, you could start wide receiver, running back, wide receiver, tight end, running back, and then Burks would be your wide receiver three. That's a pretty good start, you know, depending on who you get. Your running backs are done, your wide receivers are done, and your tight end is done. And so from round six on, you're worried about quarterback and depth. It's like, that's pretty good. It's a pretty good way to attack. And then you also look at the ADP that you presented to us. You have Jackson, Smith, and Jacob behind him. I don't know no, what the role is. Darius Tony, God forbid. Dehan Doxon, I love, but he's going to be number two, number two wide receiver on the team. So, like, and George Addison, same thing. So, like, oh, I'd yeah, rather nah. take my shot on Burks than waiting for those guys, mm-hmm. in a sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I might want to take, like, if I'm looking at everyone, I mean, Dave Montgomery maybe, but yeah, I mean, I'm looking oh, at everyone yeah. else. It's like, I do like Jahan Dotson though. I mean, but I everyone else around it, third pick. everyone around it. Yeah. I'm like, ah, you know what? Traylon Bucks has that upside. Let's take a shot on that. And then round six, uh, round seven. So, okay. I, you guys eased, eased my concern slightly on it. <laughs> let's I like go. It. All right. So let's go to the final player, the negative of the night. Bad oh, value at wide receiver. Debo Samuels. D-bad Samuels. D-bad. Oh. Uh, we are, I don't know why I keep on putting, I keep on messing up my capital. Cause it's definitely round three. <laughs> round <capital>. three. <laughs> round three capital. Still, whatever. Who cares? First round's free, Steve. First round's free. You know what I'm doing? <laughs> I'm doing the number and I'm looking at the first number and I should have realized like, oh, that's past round two. The number two is past <laughs> round two. Yeah, it's yeah, almost yeah, a yeah. mid, it's like a late round three pick. Oh, yep. Um, so coach John, this was yours. Yep. Tell us why Debo Samuels is your bad value at ADP. Um, I think it's kind of obvious. Um, everyone, you know, we knew there was going to be regression after his massive season when he was wide receiver two or whatever it was. Um, but the things I wanted to pull out from that season, because you have to look at it holistically. He had eight touchdowns on the ground that season and six touchdowns through the air. Like that's massive sort of touchdown for the attempts he had 366 attempts on the uh sorry 59 attempts on the ground and eight of them turned into touchdowns like that's just not gonna happen like it's certainly not gonna happen he had you know the again receiving you had four 1400 yards yeah you're probably gonna get six touchdowns that makes sense but since the so that was that season so then coming in now we're talking last season we're thinking oh Debo locked and loaded he's going to be that weird sort of wide back thing that they created for him whatever all this nonsense that they were going to get him nine ten targets a game plus eight carries it's like you you can't use that that way that's not realistic and Shanahan knows that and 49ers know that so what do they do they go get the best running back in the league and they're like yeah we don't need to waste all of this player's talent in a backfield we can go get someone to do that so ever since they added christian mccaffrey debo samuel went down to two rushing attempts per game so average and there was a lot of games where it was zero so he's kind of done that get that image out of your head that debo is like this rusher it's long gone and then in the passing attempt he took a massive hit when christian mccaffrey came in because i think a lot of those kind of short intermediary kind of dump off passes that were going to Debo and Debo's athletic enough to take a slant to the house. They're all going to Christian McCaffrey now. So these are his receptions in the games that he's played with Christian McCaffrey, two receptions, four receptions, six receptions, three receptions, seven receptions, two receptions, five receptions, all with zero touchdowns in the games he played with Christian McCaffrey. I don't see that 
as an upside wide receiver too. I don't see that. Like, it's just not to me. That's not who that is. And so, you know, I get that there's talent and there's so he, he is super athletic. He's very tantalizing. He's cool. He's fun to watch with the ball in his hands. I get that. But we have to be realistic and say to ourselves, Debo probably because Kyle Shanahan is so good at scheming everybody open. He doesn't matter who his quarterback is. Doesn't matter who his wide receiver. They're going to score points. So we watched Brandon Ayuk emerge as a legitimate deep threat at the end of last season. So that's probably his role. George Kittle is that sort of intermediary muscle, you know, you need solid catch. It's probably going to, you know, there. If you, Christian McCaffrey, there's just so many other options. You, had, you know, Elijah Mitchell could be coming back and, and taking rushing work. Like it's, it's just a mess. And so for me to draft someone in the eight second, early third, whatever, right. Wide receiver 16, you're relying on this person to be a week in week out bona fide point getter. And I, I think that there will be good weeks with Debo just as good as there'll be bad weeks where he goes two receptions for 30 yards. And you're like, Jesus, that just submarined my week. And so I would be so wary of Debo Samuel at wide receiver 16. I just can't possibly fathom a situation where I would be comfortable having Debo in as my wide receiver two or one or any of that. Like I just, it just doesn't make sense to me. You know, you give them to me as a, like if you put them in the, Traylon Burks, like wide receiver three with upside realm. Sure. I mean, I'll take my, I'll take my stab, but let's put it this way. There's no world where Debo Samuel is going to get a hundred plus targets. Like I, I don't see that. So he's just got to be hyper efficient with his work and score a lot of touchdowns. And that's two things that are pretty hard to predict. Yeah, no, um, this, this one was, I like, I like this one a lot there, honestly. I mean, I did have some uh, notes on terms of, Debo Samuels here that I did an article on uh, when he was uh, early on in the season prior to CMC being traded, he was on pace for 1300 all purpose yards and eight touchdowns. Uh, once CMC was on the field, his numbers dropped down to 900 all purpose yards and five total touchdowns. So, I mean, as long as CMC's on the field, it's definitely going to hurt uh, Debo Samuels as a true weapon on the field. Um he does fit more of that low-end RB wide receiver two range, high-end wide receiver range, because we don't know the quarterback situation. Even with Purdy on the field, he didn't really help Debo take another level mm-hmm. in that offense. And it looks like Purdy's on track to be back week one. So uh, that could just hurt him overall. And then it could just, with Chris McCaffrey, the upside just isn't there like it used to be in the last few seasons. Yeah, it, it would have to be a massive outlier. Injury. Of injuries. Yeah. But again, like an injury to CMC and, and, you know, Ayuk, it would have to be multiple injuries. It's not just one. And it's like, oh yeah, then it's like, you know, last year or two years ago, Mostly CMC for me, I think. Yeah. Uh, but, but it, it still, I mean, I think Ayuk is, is leveling up. Like there's no world, like there's a world where Ayuk and Debo are get similar targets, right? Like it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's the thing. It's like, it's, it's just, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot that can go wrong and, and we're all still drafting him as if he's this like bona fide sure thing. If you're listening uh, Debo, I'm sorry. Well, you're a great <laughs> player. I just don't love you at wide receiver 16. Yeah. Jibs, how do you, how do you feel? Um, I was just going to say before my computer dies that I'm a big fan of Brandon. Ayuk. I'd rather have his ADP value compared to um, Debo Samuel. And if I wanted someone who could get hurt in round three, I'll just get Lamar Jackson. 
So. <laughs> I respect it. <laughs> I respect it. I respect it. All right. All right. Uh, so we're going to wrap things up tonight, guys. I uh, hope you all enjoyed listening to this episode. This was a lot of fun, obviously, talking early ADP because it is very important to understand where their ADP is going and where to find the better value. We'll have more of this probably in August when we have a better understanding when people are taking players at when it's time to take them, actually. But if you're doing your drafts over the summer, these are some definitely some good good values and bad values to keep aware of early on in the season. Uh, Coach John, anything you want to mention? Um, nope. Uh, I just wanted to add to your point. Uh, the reason why ADP now is important, even if you're drafting in August, is because you can start to see the trends. You can start yeah. to see who's rising, who's falling, where people are going. And then come August, you're like, you know, the old saying in, in st- the stock market is you don't try and catch a falling knife. So if in AD, if ADP, if he's fallen in July, if he's fallen all through August, I don't know, maybe don't catch that falling knife. Maybe there's something, there's a reason why he's dropping in ADP and, and, and vice versa. So always pay attention now. And then as drafts come around, you're a little bit sharper and a little bit ready to, to make decisions as a draft unfolds. Like it. Coach Jibs, anything you want to mention? Uh, them round three ADPs are some bullshit. That is funky <laughs> drafting around three. I'm not liking it at all. Uh, <laughs> Trading all my third round picks. Yeah, Trading. for real, man. That's feast or famine. I like it. I like it. Uh, of course, we do appreciate you all for listening in. As always, whether you're listening on our YouTube channel at the Fantasy Coaches or you're listening afterwards on whatever system or platform you use to listen to podcasts, we definitely appreciate it. Uh, some big news. Uh, we will not be here next Monday. That's Fourth of July week. We're giving everyone off for the weekend or the week or the day uh, so they can spend time with their families and friends and whatnot. Uh, of course, please continue to follow us over on Twitter. And for and look out for our uh, charity leagues. We are doing mm-hmm. charity leagues again this year. It's changing from the secret play to the one play. Um, <laughs> so check that out over on Twitter. I think it should be pinned. Oh, I will pin uh, the tweet after this episode here. It, it's a really cool thing for the um, Humane Society. Uh, you know, we've given we get a lot of money last year. We gave almost over five hundred dollars. We're hoping to do it again this coming season here. Now, once again, uh, again, sign up. It's it's really easy. It's a, you know, it's a redraft league, a lot of fun. You know, you start only one player per week. Uh, it's really interesting. I'm in a league like that right now, and it was a lot of fun. I thought it would be more interesting to see how you draft and line your lineups are in a week in, week out. And you only got one play. You only got one chance to do it. So that's mm-hmm. kind of what my idea with this was. So we do Love appreciate it. you again for listening. Is Please sign up. We'll be back in two weeks, guys. Continue to listen in. We'll, we do have our 20, 2023 Summer ADP Outlooks. I have been posting out there on YouTube, on TikTok. So please go check those out as well. They're like just quick two-minute videos. Great, great way to catch Love up on them, a player. By the way, they've come out great. They've Thank you. Appreciate great. it. Appreciate it. So, uh, again, they're really quick videos, and we'll continue to have those throughout the two weeks. But we will be back podcasting in July, talking about some sleepers, busts, and breakouts. So, Until next time, guys, thanks for listening, and have a good one. The back is not far-fetched. We got a couple of clock hands. I've been feeling super-duper. How the heck they know the future? Come with me, don't be a loser. Grass is green like Cooper Scoopers. Clueless analysts don't do the half of this. In fact, I'm backing this by asking if y'all remember that tough act interacting. Shh, like boom, running like zoom. The highest and mightiest entered the room. High off the knowledge, I'm feeling the fumes. All players cover this nuts as legumes. Opponents are doomed, and these are the facts. I keep it 100 like I'm running track. I listen up. Jack, I'ma head back, back to the blowing that, blowing that, blowing that, go!